Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, the Habs played a really, really bad game against the Sabres. They play against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We will preview that. And Laura has all the details from Jeff Gordon's appearance on the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. All that and more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 731 of Lockdown Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are watching us on YouTube, thank you for subscribing. Make sure you ring the bell so you get notified every time we post a new video. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Mellon. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura was doing some show prep while I watched the Montreal Canadiens play arguably their worst game of the year at the Bell Center. Laura... How are we doing on this Tuesday night? I just want to say that, Scott, this is your fault. This on is absolutely my fault. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I No, no, no. Go go right ahead. Go ahead. On the last episode, we were talking about how bad the Buffalo Sabres were and they were on a losing streak and, 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 and it should, you know, it should be a cakewalk and that the Buffalo Sabres were going to dog walk the Canadians. And that is exactly what happened. I said 5-2 in my defense for what it is worth. I said 5-2. <laughs> I thought it would be more competitive than this. Uh, at the time of the recording, the Sabres are currently winning 7-2. We are actually recording while the game is still going on because there was no more point in me watching that. Either the Sabres are going to have a monumental collapse, and I will do a full bonus episode in clown makeup if that happens. <laughs> like, I will make that happen. It's not going to based on the way the Canadians have played tonight. Tage Thompson basically single-handedly beat the Canadians into submission tonight. Apparently, Jeff Skinner is chirping the Habs bench, despite the fact he plays on a team that hasn't won anything ever and has lost eight in a row coming into this. Shut up, you're a rat. Anyways, everything that could go wrong in this game went wrong. Gave up a goal under a minute in. Gave up another goal 30 seconds later. Gave up a third goal two and a half minutes into the game. Canadians get one right back after that, and... That's about as close as they got in this defensively a mess offensively, just not there outside of the usual suspects goaltending Jake Allen's regression hasn't been great, but the team in front of him isn't giving him much. And the Mike Matheson, Joel Edmondson pairing is not one that needs to exist right now. Joel (laughs) Edmondson hasn't shaken off the rust and Mike Matheson probably should have been sent on a conditioning assignment seeing as he hasn't played in two months. Here's the thing. Why not send them both on a conditioning assignment? I think I know you can. I, I I don't think you can with Joel Edmonds that he's played too many games in the NHL after coming back from his injury. Uh, I just think you know two weeks in the AHL for both of them would have been really really good. I think they're both rusty. I think Joel Edmondson is trying. Like I I also think Mike Matheson is trying. Like it's not like I don't want to discredit any of these players, right? Like this isn't a team where they've given up or anything like that, or they're being lazy. Like I'm not seeing laziness. I'm seeing errors. I'm seeing mistakes. I'm seeing things that you really don't want to see from a team. But at the same time, like this is exactly what you said yesterday. I talked about the keys to the game and you said, you know, they got it. They got to take Tage Thompson out of the game early. 
they couldn't do that. They couldn't contain him, right? And when I say that, I don't mean violently. I I mean violently at this point. Like no, no. Ilya, I, that okay. I will let you finish, and then I will do my my little mini rant that I have saved up for this. So right. Okay. So here's my thing, real quick. Okay, like a player like that, you have to contain him. When when you when we say take him out of the game, we don't mean violently for the simple reason that that's not a way to win games in the future. Like on a consistent basis, you can do that once. You can't do that every game or every game you play against the Sabres. Just imagine like a seven game series or something like that. Anyway, don't do that. So that was one of the things that you said. We also talked about defense. That was not good. We said that goaltending needed to be better. It's not better. So we, yeah, it, everything that we said, they didn't get to the backup goaltender and Craig Anderson. They didn't convert on their opportunities on the power play that, which is a huge issue. And they just didn't contain the biggest threat on the Sabres. He has five points. Jeff Skinner has five points. Focus on shutting that line down, and it just didn't happen. And when I say violently, I don't mean Tage Thompson. Tage Thompson didn't do anything obscenely wrong to the Canadians tonight. Yeah, he scored a, a ton of goals, but guess what? That's what he does apparently now. Who who knew the hit that Jake apparently Evans took, who signed him to the contract? <laughs> That's yeah, who knew. I was gonna say I thought it was a bad contract at the time, and it's I'm being proven very wrong. Which cool. You're allowed to change your position on things. <clears throat> Anyways, um, the hit Ilya Labushkin threw with Jake Evans is where I kind of knew this game was going to get away from things because he blatantly threw an elbow at Jake Evans, was not called for the elbow, was called for roughing afterwards when Jake Evans got in his face and started shoving and punching him and whatnot. And my thought is, how do you look at that elbow, which from every single angle is him leading like this into Jake Evans's head, left him bleeding and didn't call him for an elbow, but gave him a roughing penalty instead. And then just the Habs tonight came unglued. Jake Allen allowed seven goals for the first time in his NHL career, smashed a stick over the uh, pipes, which yeah, if I were Jake Allen, I'd be pissed. I know he, I know that he signed on that there were going to be rough nights. This was a loser effort reminiscent of what we saw from the Canadians last year. Maybe a spark of brilliance here or there, but going over, I think six, probably more at this point on the power play is inexcusable because if they score on a third of those, this is an entirely different game before it gets to even close to seven, two. And it's holding the Canadians back because there's too much talent on this team to be functioning that poorly on the power play. And at some point, Martin St. Louis got to come up with an answer there. Give the reins to somebody else. Try different form. You got to do something. Because if they trot this out again, it's just not working. The Sabres penalty kill is 30th in the NHL. Inexcusable. It's inexcusable, quite frankly. And yes, I get it. Rebuilding. Losses are good for the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would rather lose a bunch of close games that are exciting than get my dong kicked in like this. Because <laughs> that is exactly what this game was. It was a butt-kicking it was, you know, a bully throwing you face down in the mud. It was bad. You got bullied by a team on an eight-game losing streak on home ice after that win on Saturday. They wiped the floor with them. That's the problem. Yes. Just, and that's, consistency is always going to be an issue with a rebuilding team. I know that. You can't lose games like this repeatedly. It's bad for morale, and it allows that rot to seep in and everything else. 
And coming up in our next segment, we are going to talk a little bit about what can the Montreal Canadiens do against the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team who seemingly had their number last week, uh, on how they can rebound and go into American Thanksgiving with hopefully some positive vibes. And we're going to get into that coming up next. But first, our show today is brought to you by the folks at Athletic Greens. I got to say, Athletic Greens is great first thing in the morning. We are getting into the winter months. There is less sunlight, so you need vitamins, especially vitamin D, to help give you that energy to get through your day. And with Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. They're going to help your immune system, your nervous system, energy, recovery, focus, all of these things. Athletic Greens has all of that. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're doing keto or paleo, if you're vegan, dairy free or gluten free, athletic greens can be there for you. It costs less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health. And that's important because you can't always like me buy an energy drink or buy a coffee first thing in the morning. Just take a scoop of athletic greens first thing and trust the over 7,000 five-star reviews of the product. So right now, folks, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a glass of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements, whatever. Just one scoop in your glass of water first thing in the morning. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. Well, that was slightly cathartic, uh, to be quite honest with you, because we haven't had it. We haven't really had a, a show where we've kind of just yelled at the Canadians for not playing well, you know, in certain things. The game is over. They lost seven two. uh, not great across the board. Not great. And they have another game Wednesday when you were listening to this, the day before American Thanksgiving. They are playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Jay, we love you dearly. The Columbus Blue Jackets this year are one of the worst teams in the NHL. They have struggled to find consistency all year, are missing some of their top players. They are missing like their entire defensive core. They hung six goals on the Canadians last time these two teams played. You cannot do that. You have to make a statement in this game, or there's a lot of questions that are going to come up about people who are on this team or the roles that they are playing. I feel like, yeah, the Canadians are not supposed to be good, but losing two games in embarrassing fashion and back-to-back situations is unacceptable. And the first thing is you got to figure out the power play. I get that you are traveling tonight to go play this game, You got to do something different, anything. The power play cannot stink that bad in Columbus, and the defense has to be smarter. Laura, Jake Allen out there. I here's the thing is I wouldn't be shocked if they play Jake Allen tomorrow. But on the power play, well, I mean, listen, based on how it was tonight, it probably wouldn't have made a damn difference if he was sitting at the point you're on. Honestly. With how bad the Canadians' power play is, they still haven't given up a shorthanded goal this year. And oh, Scott, Scott. It's going to happen now. And then everyone, <laughs> go yell at me. It's fine. You're not the first people to yell at me on Twitter. But you got to fix the, the little things here. All the things in the Sabres game were 
little thing, little thing, little thing, little thing, big thing being the power play, but little thing, little thing, little thing, little thing, little thing, little thing. It's like when you're combining smalls into making a medium, into making a large, into making a supersize, into making a double gulp. Little things add up to big things. And in the next game against Columbus, I don't care if they win 2-1 or 2-0 or whatever. It, do the little things right and do the basics. There's too many players not doing that right now, and that starts with defense. Uh, Laura, do you have any uh, thoughts about going into this game in Columbus where, again, the Canadians should win, but I if, if this game kind of, you know, against the Sabres kind of put me on edge a little bit going into this. Here's what I think. And so this is, we're going to talk a little bit about this in the third segment because of the Jeff Gordon interview with Tony, Tony Marinero. One thing that we have to remember, and it's something that it's really easy to forget in this market, is that Martin St. Louis has been a coach for less than six hockey playing seasons, uh, months, sorry, six hockey playing months, right? Like six hockey season months. He's a rookie coach. He is somebody that is a great hockey mind, but these are the games where he's going to learn the lessons that he needs to learn. And this is the kind of adjustment or rebound or, you know, follow up that is going to show us what he's made of. Like, I think that on a lot of teams when they're good or average or fine or great or whatever, you see a game like this, most of the blame, I think you can, you can say lies with the players. Right. And so it's the players that have to adjust. Like in this case, we're talking about a situation where a, the goaltending is regressing uh, B the players did not respond. Well, C the power play is failing. Um, you know, you've got players who are coming back, not in great shape. You've got a mishmash of young and veteran players. You've got like this, the situation that he's inherited. So like, there's a lot of factors. It's not, you know, the, the, the blame falls on the coach or the blame falls on the players. There's so many things going into this game being this bad. Uh, also Buffalo being on a eight game losing streak and just the odds kind of just readjusting in their favor, all of that. Right. So for me, the reaction and what adjustments Martin St. Louis and his coaching staff make, this is one of those games where like, this is one of the building blocks of his coaching career because um, again, we're going to get into this in the next segment. So like he's somebody, the way that he thinks about the game of hockey is very suited to being a coach, to being the strategizer, right? Like what I want to see is like, is he also an adjustment type person? Because that's something that you need to do when you have a good team and you're facing a team that's good, when you're in a long playoff run, when you're in a slump, whatever it is, like as head coach, like if you're going to, if you're going to win, like you need to have those adjustments. So I'm just excited to see what he does. It doesn't necessarily have to be lineup changes, right? Like people sometimes get really upset when a coach doesn't change the lines when there's a losing. I don't think that, like, I think it's like, it's like what conversations does he have with the players? Like there's no practice time. They might have a morning skate, right? What conversations does he have with the players? Like what, like what one-on-one moments does he have? What, you know, what, what, what is he whispering in Cole Caulfield's ear? What, what's going on there? So, like, I want to see, like, I don't necessarily think that, like, turning around and, like, like having, like, a dominant win over Columbus is necessarily what determines if, you know, if he's a good coach or not. But what habits do they exhibit on the ice in the next two or three games? And uh, the, the next game after the Columbus game is on Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, just so you know, thanks for Thanksgiving. I don't understand why the Canadians always have to go and play those Thanksgiving games in the United States when they are a Canadian team in a big Canadian market. But let's not even get me started on that. Um, I just think that 
we're going to learn a lot about Martin St. Louis from the way that the Canadians play, like those little things that Scott was talking about in the next two to three games. I have two things before we kind of wrap on this segment. Laura, can you guess what the expected goals for percentage for Caden Gooley and David Savard was tonight? I know they were very, very bad. How bad do you think? Remember, this goes up to 100%. The expected goals against, you said? No, expected goals for percentage. Can you expected guess what there's... They're, they're not the same, but can you guess how what their numbers were? Like in the 20s. No. David Savard had an expected goals for percentage at 5-on-5 five five tonight of 3.78. Caden Gooley was at 5.92. Christian Dvorak was at 8.92. I understand why Gooley and Savard are together. I no longer have to accept it, though, because they have other bodies here. And yeah, Weidman and Harris came back in tonight. I don't think they played outwardly bad compared to their teammates. Weidman actually was a net positive in terms of possession and everything. I think Harris and Kovacevic should be back together. And I think Arbor Jackeye and someone like a maybe like a David Savard who's more stay-at-home or like a Joel Edmondson or something, you have to shake up the defensive pairings going into the game against Columbus. I get you have bodies to rotate. You have to fix this kind of thing now. It's You don't have excuses anymore. Yes. The one thing I will say about Caden Gooley is that do you remember when Andre Markov was the best defenseman on this team? And whenever he had a bad night, the whole team had a bad night. Caden Gooley is shaping up to be that guy. So many people are going to take that out of context. I hope you realize. Wait, what happened? I was going to say that you're, they're going to say Laura compared Caden Gooley to Andre Markov. And a whole no, bunch. no, 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 no. We know I that's not what that, happened. I, I, I just you know mean people. in terms of like their, their importance to the lineup in a given game. And I would agree with that. Like, it, it was just a bad night where defensive errors became an issue. And we'll see what the lineup looks like going into the game against Columbus because shake things up. I mean, keep the top line together, but shake, rattle, and roll things around here on defense, on offense, on the power play. Figure it out and make it work, Marty. And we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit from very bad games to a very good podcast appearance by Jeff Gordon with Tony Marinaro. Laura's going to take the reins on that, and that's all coming up next. We are back. We are locked on Canadians. And, folks, just as a heads up, this is my last episode of the week because I am obviously going out of uh, Buffalo to go celebrate American Thanksgiving with Carly's family and my own. And then I am on vacation. So you will not see me for about a week, which, depending on who you are, you might love that. You might not. Uh, keep your eye out for Locked On Canadians Extras where we got into more of your mailbag questions and everything. We've got plenty of bonus content coming up. And now I'm going to turn control of this show over to my fantastic co-host who was doing all the research while I was watching the Canadians get absolutely punched in the face repeatedly by a very, very angry gorilla as the Buffalo Sabres. Laura, tell us all about Jeff Gordon's appearance on the sick podcast with Tony Marinaro. <laughs> All right. So this is something, again, this is why listener demand. And, you know, when you guys have ideas of things you want us to tackle and stuff like that, like people wanted us to talk about it. Like the sick podcast is really, really good. 
Uh, Scott's been on it actually. And, um, and, and, you know, if you're a Habs fan, you're probably listening to that. And if you're not, you should be, the guests are great. Like Tony has some really compelling interviews as a Habs fan. Like it, it is one of my staples. And so, you know, I sometimes am late listening to episodes, but listeners will, will ask us, you know, what are your thoughts on this and that? So we will, you know, we will listen to the episodes and share our thoughts. And to me, like two of the biggest things that came out of that episode, which again, check it out yourself, the sick podcast, the episode with Jeff Gorton, it was after I think um, 15 games or something like that, that they were having the conversation. So the biggest thing that jumped out at me was uh, Caden Gooley. You know, we said that he was bad this night tonight. He's not usually bad. He's somebody who's really good and people are taking notice. But the way that he talked about Caden Gooley, uh, you read between the lines and you can tell that there's interest in him from around the league and that the Canadians probably consider him an, an untouchable, even though, you know, Jeff Gordon couldn't confirm or deny that on the podcast. But it's really interesting that, you know, Jeff Gordon's been in the league for a long time. And people are calling him up and talking about Gooley or even just asking him, hey, how about that Gooley kid? Like the league is taking notice of this guy. And I think that's like it's it's amazing. So like, you know, he had a bad night. We want to break up that pairing. Every Montreal Canadian, I think, pretty much other than Cole Caulfield had a bad night. I don't don't tell me his defensive numbers. Um, <laughs> so uh, so that was like one of the most important things is that like, you know, like the league is taking notice of Caden Gooley. Like there are calls that are coming in. There was a lot of talk about Martin St. Louis. And one thing that that Gordon mentioned was that prior to, you know, Martin St. Louis coaching or, you know, being called by the Canadians or whatever, people would say people who played with him in the locker room would say he's like a third or fourth coach in the locker room. Like the way that he thinks the game and the way that he talks about the game, like you can tell that this is somebody who has a different kind of hockey mind. Like not everybody is cut out for that job. And not everybody who's played has that kind of hockey intelligence. Like, let's be really honest. Like, just because somebody's a former player, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a good strategist. That doesn't necessarily mean that they know how to make players listen. They don't, that's not necessarily, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they know how to make players tick, which I thought that was like a really, really interesting uh, conversation because I was listening to this at the same time, like basically back to back. And I listened to both of the episodes twice. Um, was you know what Kent Hughes said and what uh, Jeff Gorton said, and when people talk about you know like the, the these two people and how's this power dynamic going to work and who's in charge and who's you know who's doing all of that, the way that they see things is similar enough to me that I can definitely get that it's a shared vision. And it's funny that the way they talk about Martin Saint Louis, they said different words but they meant the same thing. And so that's why in the previous episode, I said, you know, I want to see how he adjusts and things like that, because like he does have Tony Marinero said, like this guy, I thought he had the makings of a good coach, but now I think he has the makings of a great coach. I want to see, you know, I want to see, like, does he adjust and stuff? Because like the thing is, like, we are in such a luxurious position right now that I think it was Kent Hughes was the one that said, you know, if it was at the end of a season, maybe like we wouldn't have gotten Marty, but it was the middle of a season. We were just after firing Martin St. Louis came here on an interim contract or without a contract with an interim tag. Same thing like Jeff Gordon alluded to. And he like started his career here. Like imagine like somebody else had called Martin St. Louis two years down the line. And like at that point he'd had some more experience and he was like already a great coach. Like in this case, like this, he might not turn out to be a great coach, but just look at the luxurious position that we're in. If he is, if he is, if in that hockey brain, there is the makings of one of the great coaches of the NHL, like 
how long has it been since we've had that in this market? Like, I don't, I don't remember something like that. Like, you know, usually you, you get a rookie <laughs> coach here so that the Canadians can funnel more French coaches into the NHL so that they can then rehire them three years later. Right. This is really like, it's such a weird, like in, exciting and fun position. Like it, again, it might crash and bang. Like, like I said, it's been less than six months of hockey season. Uh, but I, I just, I feel like so lucky as a fan and, and hearing the way the management talks, I also feel lucky as a fan because the thing is they're clear on what they want and they're clear on what they know. And we might not always agree with it, but there's a confidence to this, this front office and a proactiveness to this front office. It's not reactiveness. We've talked about it before. So, you know, they, I'm sure they're making mistakes or they are going to make mistakes. That's going to be remain. That's going to remain to be seen. But that was, you know, that was just kind of one of like the Martin St. Louis piece of the conversation. Scott, you, you were about to say something. I'm so sorry. I was, I was going to say, like, it is really nice to see that they, they believe in him. And it's not just, ah, well, you know, kind of get us through this. And then we're going to boot you out the door for somebody else. Like, they trust him at the helm. And I trust Martin St. Louis at the helm a lot more than I would a an old school veteran coach or someone else. Because every time he talks, I think it was Andrew Berkshire on Twitter pointed out today that it's like, it's like gentle parenting. He's not going to go in there and tell them and yell at them and hammer them on things because they're not going to learn that way. He's going to tell them, hey, this is what you did wrong. They're going to work on that. The explicit trust Martin St. Louis puts in his players to buy in and do the work themselves is, I, I don't want to say inspiring because that makes it sound cliche, but like it's very new age and that it's not like, it's not just superstars. He will go to Michael Pozzetta and be like, you might've done this wrong and this wrong. Let's focus on t- on tweaking those things and they will. Uri Slavkovsky is 18 years old and gets better every game he plays and learns things. If you go in and hammer him or you end up in the Shane Wright situation where he's on a conditioning stint in the AHL because the coach just doesn't know what to do with him. It's the perfect fit for a rebuilding team and I'm curious to see what can he do when, you know, this team's fully operational in a couple of years. If he if right. he wants to be here for that. Like he might decide you know, this coaching thing, it sucks. I might move into player development or something else or just go back to doing what I was doing. Someone else can reap my rewards for that. Like, I'm glad that yeah. the Canadians seem to have kind of joined the 21st century in terms of coaching here. There's a couple of other things that I wanted to mention. I know we're running out of time, but I did want to mention it because people wanted our thoughts. Um, Cole Caulfield, you know, they, they talked about how there's no real uh, urgency or timeline the conversation is going to happen. Jeff Gordon said that they talked to Cole Caulfield's agent and they don't want it to be destruction, but they want him to be here for a long time. And he had every confidence that Cole Caulfield was going to be in Montreal for a long time. So I'm not too worried about that contract. Um, we're not, I don't think we're worried about it. I think we're just impatient for it is, 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 is the way that I would describe it. Uh, one thing that was said in that conversation though, was we're talking about how Cole Caulfield is a great goal scorer. And we all know that Martin St. Louis is the person that's going to help Cole Caulfield to become a great player. And I think that's so interesting that that was said, because I think that Cole Caulfield has immense talent. But something that we don't think about is that when you want to be one of the greats, you have to have, it can't just be one pure talent, right? Like, I don't think anyone's questioning Cole Caulfield's ability to, to be offensively creative or score goals. Like, the being a great all-around player, like, this is, like, it's really interesting because, like, we were, we were excited about him 
I think he's, you know, he is one of the most fun players we've had in a long time. But the fact that they want him to be one of the greats in my heart, like it just, it warmed my heart when like I heard that part of the conversation. So I think that's exciting. Uh, something else that I wanted to talk about a little bit was uh, just like he talked about how for Arbor Jack I like they didn't even think that he was going to be in the NHL until, you know, they're like until a couple of games before the season started. They were like, yeah, this guy's going to go to the NHL. Then Arbor Jack, I did everything to stay uh, in the NHL. I, I think uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention before we wrap things up, uh, there were so many things that I wanted to mention uh, is, uh, is kind of, they're talking, both of them talked a lot about Vinny LeCavalier. Like it's very clear that they're constantly in contact with Vinny, you know, like the, the role that he has is kind of like an undefined role. It was just kind of like, he's a special advisor or whatever, but it looks like he's involved, right? It looks like he's, he's doing a lot of work for the Canadians. And I think it's really, really um, exciting and interesting. And, and I know we talked about the, um, the Kent Hughes portion yesterday on yesterday's episode. But one thing that I forgot to mention was there's like in that discussion, I'm not going to rehash the whole thing, mostly because I don't have the notes in front of me for yesterday's episode. Uh, but Jeff, um, Kent Hughes talked about why Vinny LeCavalier didn't come here. Uh, and it was about tax implications. And I learned a lot from that portion of the conversation. So if you get a chance to check out the Ron Uckles podcast, the episode with Kent Hughes, obviously, if you listen to podcasts, that's something that you'd be interested in. There is a, an interesting portion about how Vinny LeCavalier did not end up in Montreal as a player and like the discussion surrounding that and how taxes kind of work. Uh, hearing it from somebody who's a former agent was pretty interesting. And I will be listening to these. I do have a lot of driving to do over the next couple of days. So I am going to be loading up these. And speaking of which, if you are driving anywhere for American Thanksgiving for our American listeners, hello for our Canadian listeners. Happy Thursday. Um, take us with you wherever you get your daily podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever we are there. And we are also on YouTube. If you like seeing our very, very handsome faces or beautiful faces, whichever one you want to go with, we are on YouTube. Please subscribe. Please hit that bell so you know when we post a new video. And remember, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Follow Laura at The Active Stick. And you can follow myself at Scott Matla. Folks, we appreciate you. And we will see you all next time.